And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And right now, my guest is Tori Lindemann. Tori Lindemann comes to us from ToriSays.com. Also, uh, uh, the Laura Loomer site. Uh, she's working with Laura Loomer as well. And she has her own show. And uh, check her out. Tori, welcome to The Scott Adams Show. Thank you for having me, Scott. Good morning uh, to everyone. Uh, God bless everyone. So, Scott, it is a crazy week this week, isn't it? It really is. And you've been writing some articles that have been really doing a deep dive. And, and also, you and I have been working on some concepts and theories. And you know, we talk a lot and we kick uh, a lot of ideas around. And I was sharing some information that my sources were sharing with me. I shared them with you. And you share stuff with me. And uh, we're getting very close to some really interesting developments that are going to be making its way to the spotlight. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a it's been a week that is really slow. I don't know if you feel it too, uh, because it is ramping up to be explosive, especially now that Brexit failed, and they're supposed to Brexit by the 31st of October, as the Queen said so, and it's a hot mess. And you know, not to say that it's meddling in elections, but if this IG FISA report drops, it'll be. A big problem for the United Kingdom because they were involved in this, um, you know, FISA um, application and the information provided. So everybody needs to stay tuned to that one. But on our front, geez, you know, I used to I watch videos sometimes with popcorn and laugh. How many of you out there do the same thing where you see a bunch of people like in Uganda or Nigeria where their Congress just starts fist fighting, right? I foresee that happening here. I mean, it's like, Schiff, if I was there, I don't know if I would be able to control myself because, you know, he's not following the rules. You know, my 14-year-old, who just turned 14, by the way, said, Mom, um, the rules are that you sit there and everybody looks at the evidence and then they vote to decide if they're going to impeach. I said, yes. She says, well, did they vote? No. Then how is he doing stuff in the basement? A kid no, understands that that's wrong. You should have seen and Napolitano have though talk about what some rule that Boehner changed, and now Napolitano on Fox was uh, trying to throw like some credibility to what Schiff was doing. It Napolitano's completely out to lunch with that. Now here's the other one. You've been talking more about Daniel Jones than anybody I know. And I want you to just share a little bit. You know probably more about Daniel Jones than anybody in the country. So just share with us what we need to know about Daniel Jones. Okay, so I can't say how I know everything, but I can say what's public. So Daniel Jones, just for everyone to know, was a senior Obama official. Uh, he actually worked um, with Diane Feinstein, and he was assigned one of the biggest, I would say the most, um, you know, black card access to everything because he was involved in creating that CIA torture report, which means that the intelligence community had the largest and most evasive colonoscopy, not just in regards to, uh, you know, torture and everything, but everything they had from technology to everything. And he wrote um, over 6,000 pages of a report, and he had almost seven years. It was just a bit over six years of investigating them with, like, a, you know, 
he had access to everything. Like, everything. And so this guy, which was Diane Feinstein's right-hand man, gets this, which means that this guy has a Rolodex and uh, information that a lot of people that work in the intelligence community don't even have, okay? Because he had a free pass. Now, what he did when he finished that was create a group called the Penn Quarterly Group, PQG. And it's in D.C. Well, that's the group that actually hired uh, Fusion GPS. They paid Fusion GPS. Now, everybody that's thinks that's Perkins Coey, but Perkins Coey was just the money laundering facilitator. Right, but Perkins Coey is a law firm that represented Obama, Hillary Clinton, and um, the DNC, and it represents Daniel Jones. So Daniel Jones was the one that had relationship uh, relationships with all of these people at Fusion GPS. He created, listen to this, a fund and a project that he raised money from Silicon Valley to gain more information to prove that the dossier is correct. Like, this is all out in the open. Nobody talks about this guy. It's like he's untouchable. Yet you see him in the texts with Adam Waldman, and he's the go-to guy between Christopher Steele, the Senate, and congressmen. And you're thinking, okay, well, who is this guy who can speak to Christopher Steele, speak to all these people in, in the House and in the Senate, and where is it, why is he, like, gone? He's like a ghost. And what is going on here? So, I found inches and trails of Daniel Jones from assigning the lie detector test for the Kavanaugh hearing, you know, to Dr. Ford to facilitating the letter to Feinstein, his, you know, his person that brought him in there. And I want everyone to know, you know, this guy is the biggest uh, example of what the deep state is. He is their guy that is the go-between between public and shadow, just so you know. And he's a and radical we'll- lefty. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Does he have connections with, does Daniel Jones have connections with Brookings and Lawfare? Yes, he does. And George Soros directly and Democratic Alliance groups and, and, and. So this guy is everywhere. Now, the, the thing that people don't seem to understand is, is that Daniel Jones is the one that concocts all this documentation. And if you read the 6,000 pages of this report, well, which was unredacted, and, you know, I may or may not have seen, you know, other portions, right? Uh, this guy's writing style is very specific. And when I saw the complaint, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's Daniel Jones. Because the way the sentences are started, the evasive language used, it's the same exact you know, it's like a fingerprint. Hey, Tori. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Let's take a caller really quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Caller, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, hi, this is Julie from Delaware again. I know I talked to you, talked to you yesterday. But Paul Preston, he, he just used a word that was seemed to me to be very important, premeditation. It, from the very beginning, this entire thing was premeditation. And and it, it, I, I think this needs to be reemphasized over and over again that this was the entire thing was planned and concocted by this this corrupt group of people. And then when you you look at all the corruption that's going on out in California, it just makes you sick to your stomach. 
whether it's 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 Adam Schiff or whether it's Nancy yeah. Pelosi or that new thing with Hill with the thruple, whatever that is. The Democrats do drill. The Democrats do living in the streets. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're at the end of a we're at, we're at a hard break here. So uh, thank you for calling oh, in, but sorry. I agree with you. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. We're talking about Daniel Jones. We're going to be talking about Robert Stork, and we're talking with Tori Lindemann from ToriSays.com. Tori, uh, let's go ahead and pick up where we left off. So you were talking about Daniel Jones and all his deep state connections and that how he, right. he knows just about everything that's going on and everything that we're seeing play out. Only, only Daniel Jones, he's one of maybe, a, you can count on one hand, a few fingers, you know. He's one of a very few select elite people that could actually provide the information that's being provided for this witch hunt, this hoax. Yeah, well, think about it. I mean, this guy was in GQ as one of um, America's eligible bachelors, decides that he's going to donate his time in some third world country as a teacher, and suddenly he's in the FBI, and suddenly he is, you know, the lead researcher at the Senate Intel Committee. Kind of weird, isn't it, how you just propel like that quickly from GQ. Uh, so, Well, you, you know, know and that makes me think of Adam. another good-looking guy is Adam Waldman, who's, who's married to a model. And uh, hobnobs with the rich and famous like Johnny Depp. And we're going to be talking about Adam Waldman later, too, because where you were talking a lot about Daniel Jones and I was saying, man, I don't know a lot about Daniel Jones. And you were like, Daniel Jones. And I remember about a year ago, you and I were talking about Adam Waldman. I said, Adam Waldman. Remember that? (laughs) And we were. Uh, And I was like, he's in the text with Adam Waldman. Yeah. Where. Christopher Steele uh, is going to be meeting with Dan Jones, and Dan Jones is going to talk to him to then go back to Warner um, and Burr and all of them to talk. You know, remember he, this is what the text said, and Bruce Orr confirmed that. So his name has come up in the most as the go-in-between guy, and no one's talking about him, right. which means they're protecting him because he was also Barack Hussein Obama's right-hand man. Well, right Chuck, now, what Chuck Grassley. Chuck Grassley wanted to interview these two guys, and either and Hor- Horowitz or Waldman, Horowitz and De- Horowitz and Durham. There's no recollect. There's no record of them. Those two guys actually being tapped into by any of those investigations yet. Well, we have to remember Huber, right? Because everyone's forgotten that name. John okay? Huber. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we have to remember that there's Huber, too. Okay, so we have Daniel Jones. His fingerprints are all over this thing. But, you know, here's where I go to for people to pay attention. So we're going to just remember John Carlin. He got fired in September of 2016. You remember that, right? And Michael Atkinson, the uh, ICIG, was his advisor. Right. So we have um, John Carlin who resigned after he submitted something that's called a Section 702 certification. Now... I want for everyone that doesn't know what that is, is no matter what we say, this this that you're listening to right now, every single upstream, that means email, chat, voicemail, text, Google search, whatever, is held in like this sink. Picture a sink. 
and it's held there for 72 hours, and then they drain the sink every 72 hours, right? And that's because they've um, said that for 72 hours, we hold all communications that go through the United States, right? And then we release them just in case there is a FISA warrant that is applied for. That way they can selectively retain some information. Get it? So that's basically what the 702 certification is. It's that you certify that you are dumping things every 72 hours, okay? Just think of it that way. Well, here's the thing. There's something called overcollection. Overcollection means that when you drain the sink, you have a filter to hold on to Scott Adams' emails, calls, and texts, and Trump's telephone calls and texts, and, you know, whatever, Flynn's telephone calls and texts. Because there's a malfunction or there's a warrant. Now, John Carlin was of the fact, and there's a big case that was heard by the same judge that signed off on the first FISA warrant, Judge Collier, spanking him, Lynch, Brennan, and Clapper, and everybody in the intelligence community for what is called an overcollection. And they were saying, oh, it's a computer malfunction, a computer malfunction that was highly selective, too. And that's what they were pandering. Now, the only time we usually see overcollection, and this is straight fact because of pattern, is when the DOJ and the NSA corroborate together to file for a 702 certification uh, FISA warrant. So what we had is... They were spying on the Trump administration to collect information to let them get a warrant to spy. You get what I'm saying? And that's illegal. So what I believe happened here in regards to Schiff, and, you know, I, 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 I have sources that are very stellar, is that there's a wiretap of conversations that they've had and that is the whistleblower. And Adam Schiff is the mouthpiece for the whistle. He can't come forward and say, well, we were wiretapping you and this is how we found out. Because the interpreters and, and as one myself, when you're going to go in, because that's, I'm a linguist. I, I did this before and after. When you're on the books to be a Russian interpreter, uh, an Arabic interpreter, whatever, they monitor everything you say and do before and after, especially if you're in the White House, right? So it didn't, it didn't come from the interpreters or the transcribers. It definitely didn't come from President Trump. So it must have been on conversation. Because if you read the report, it says, oh, I heard from many officials and this and this. And it's like, who is this person that has access to people in the White House, people in the CIA, people at the DOJ, people at the National Security Division? Like, this person has got to be everywhere, right? Uh, so who is this whistleblower? And I'm telling you that it's Schiff but because he's wiretapping that's why he's not showing anything right because i heard I that too <clears throat> that it's not there wasn't a person it was a wiretapper a wiretap exactly and that you know think about it the whistleblower is the wiretap that adam schiff commissioned some guy right to place a trump cabinet ma- member wiretap and daniel jones authored the complaint very plausible scenario and daniel jones would be the one that would be able to provide covert listening devices or programs i mean it wouldn't take much to just get somebody's cabinet member phone and put something that even the white house can't detect because you know there's a lot of that technology a lot of that technology, mirroring the phone, mirroring, uh, you know, everything. 
And so this is probably an intercept. Now, here's where it gets a little bit nuts. Everyone's talking about, you know, Atkinson's. Everyone's talking about Horowitz. Everyone's talking about all these people. But I want everyone to, again, rewind back to September 2016 when John Carlin uh, was fired or resigned, right? Because he broke the law. He was spying without the warrant to spy so that he could get a warrant to spy. Basically, that's what was going on. It was at that time in November, right um, after the elections, that Barack Hussein Obama created the first president-appointed position for an inspector general for the NSA. He nominated, okay, he nominated Robert Stork. But here's the thing. McCain and the others delayed to, to, to put him through and confirm it. So he just kind of hung out. Right. You go, go ahead and so, you, if you want to finish that, go ahead. Yeah, no. So basically he just hung out. And we'll get back to it, but the same guy was actually nominated by President Trump and confirmed in December of 2017, December 22nd, 2017. So when we get back, we're going to be talking about Robert Stork uh, and his over-collection uh, control. Um, it says here also uh, that the markets work uh, actually uh, confirmed everything you just said about Daniel Jones, Heads Penn and Porter Group, ex-Feinstein staffer PQG, funded by 7 to 10 Silicon Valley billionaires, $50 million. PQG hired Steele and Fusion post-election to continue operate opposition research into President Trump, linked to lobbyist Adam Waldman for Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska, who was offering Warner access, Mark Warner, Access to the former British spy and dossier author Christopher Steele notes Jones was speaking with Senator Mark Warner. So that's the cliff notes on Daniel Jones. We're going to be talking about Robert Stork next. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. Tori Lindemann is our guest. We'll see you right back after the break. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And we're back. My name is Scott Adams. Well, I thought we would do a summary because we're talking with Tori and we're talking about some heavy stuff. We're talking about some new names, not new names, really. What I just rattled off about Daniel Jones and what uh, Tori's been talking about, we've known since 2018. That, that article that I just jut- jutted off about the Penn Quarter Group and Daniel Jones, May 1st, 2018. By Jeff Carlson. And Tory's been on this probably as a leader on Daniel Jones. I've been talking about Adam Waldman for a long time. What does it all mean, right? Because, you know, what happened? Let's do a quick summary because basically, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of conduits going into the Trump team. And so what happened was the deep state already had an asset in Carter Page. They exploited and used him like a worker mule, not to his agreement, but to you know, they used him because they already knew that he had hooks and he had connections. And we know that Podesta, we know that Podesta's employee was Paul Manafort, who worked in Ukraine. And when John Solomon had an interview with Oleg Deripaska, whose attorney was Adam Waldman, by the way, and who worked with people like Daniel Jones. Um, this situation was that Oleg Deripaska, a billionaire from Russia, 
said, yeah, I used to work with Paul Manafort until he you know, shortchanged me in 2011. He doesn't have any allegiances with Russia. He has allegiances with Ukraine and money. Dirty money at that. Okay, so Paul Manafort's not an altar boy. And after 2011, continued to work in Ukraine with the Podestas and with Adam Schiff and with a whole bunch of other people like Igor Pasternak that is uh, an Adam Schiff buddy. And you can go on with this, right? There, The Bidens and Burisma Holdings and, and Paul Manafort and John Podesta. And they knew that when they were going to hire a guy like Daniel Jones and Daniel Jones was going to put together a Fusion GPS and Fusion GPS was going to op- work with a Christopher Steele who happens to be British. Well, now you need someone like Stefan Halper who has strong connections with Alexander Downer who's an Australian UK ambassador to England that has connections with their spy agencies like Robert Hannigan at GCHQ who resigned the day after Trump's inauguration inauguration, or Christopher Steele who was former MI6. So this is why you had the walrus and Stefan Halper navigating the waters. This is why you had these connections with not only Alexander Downer and Christopher Steele and, and then you had this other connection. Well, Papadopoulos shows up. You have Joseph Mifsud that says, I can get access to Mifs, uh, Papadopoulos and Flynn. And so there's a lot of these things. They were going at Trump from multiple angles. This was an ambush. And Trump probably at first didn't even know what happened. But you better believe that what I just told you and what we've been talking about for years now, Team Trump actually knows quadruple what we know. And I think that Trump has got this. And and Tory, uh, who's on with me right now, you know, I think you and I were talking off air. You agree with me that Trump's team knows a lot about what's going on here. Uh, definitely. I mean, President Trump has inferred that uh, Adam Schiff is the whistleblower. And I'm telling you, I'm pretty much of the fact that they sit in the skiff and they're trying to figure out who they can have be the the whistleblower that could have access to all these people and they're not getting it done. And, you know, Devin Nunes made an amazing statement saying that transcripts are being hidden from the American people on Sean Hannity, or he assumes there aren't any. So that's pretty curious, too. Now, one thing that I did learn from a source that I have um, that is a Democrat staffer, right, is that this is the statement that I was provided yesterday. Whatever he, Adam Schiff, is doing, she, Nancy Pelosi, knows about. I think Representative Nadler found out, and now they're not speaking because he really thought there was a whistleblower. And Pelosi won't speak to any of us except her legal counsel. That speaks volumes because, you know, I tweeted out that Nadler was being deposed when he was missing. You know, we hadn't seen him. And boom, he shows up just two days ago, and you see a completely different Nadler. I don't know if you noticed him. He wasn't, you know, all cocky with his little hammer and yelling and telling him to shut up. He was very silent, just observed, and he had his hand over his mouth most of the time. And really didn't want to be there. He seemed contrite. And And I saw him two days ago before a committee hearing, Judiciary Committee hearing, where he was involved with election security. And there was a lot of pointed questions about uh, that were really great for Trump. 
that it was it, yeah the law enforcement agencies would say the law the top law enforcement uh, enforcer in the land should consult with foreign nations to try to get to the bottom of op- open investigations so you know what Trump did was perfectly normal and Nadler was not content- contentious at all and not only that, but he had been missing. People were wondering where he was. I had heard some sources say to me that he was being deposed in the Eastern District of uh, Virginia. And that that these these bits of information would be very much in line with what Tory Lindemann just told us, which is that if he felt like he was double-crossed, he's a New Yorker. And, you know, he may not like Trump, but he, he understands that Trump plays straight ball. Uh, but this uh, California contingent is playing some underhanded uh, crap, and uh, I don't think he appreciates it. And I think real, really now he feels like he's been double-crossed because the jurisdiction of impeachment falls into the lap of the Judicial Committee in the House. And so they're running roughshod on this thing way ahead of what Nadler skis are, if Nadler can ski. And... And that's where Nadler, I think, is is apoplectic now. He's pissed. He's he's a uh, he's an angry camper. Yeah, no, he is. We have to remember there's seven congressional members now. There's six because Elijah Cummings has passed. Two former senior Obama officials, one of which is Daniel Jones, and four outside contractors. And I want to use air quotes on contractors, uh, which all together came to create this work product called the whistleblower. And all that is going to be coming to the surface really, really quickly. Now, one thing we need to know is whenever we want to find a leaky pipe, Scott, right, what do we do? We run water through it and we see where it leaks. Now, in the olden times, and, you know, when I was, you know, uh, let's just say in our younger days, uh, they, when they wanted to find out if we had a mole, you would distribute a document across, you know, all the people and you would change a comma or a specific font of a letter that was very discreet. And then when it leaked, you'd know who did it. Well, this Mulvaney leak was exactly that. That's why when the news came out, they knew who got it because they were monitoring, because I guarantee you we got FISA warrants on these people. What do you mean the Mulvaney leak? What was the Mulvaney leak? Well, you know, about being replaced. That was leaked. Oh, right. And that that was how we ran water through the pipe. And we found out where it came from. So why? So suddenly, you know, the president is more like, oh, I don't know, man. You know, where's the whistleblower, Adam? You know, I'm kind of thinking Adam may be the whistleblower because he's the one that leaked that information to the media. So this is where it's down to. We know who it is. It's going to be exposed. And you have to think, what makes them believe that they are protected in spying? Because they thought they were protected with what they did to the Trump administration. Well, the Trump, uh, uh, you know, campaign team, right? They thought they were protected spying on people that were in any orbit of the Trump campaign team, right? They thought that they would get away with this. What would make them think they would get away with it? Ah, and that's where we get to Robert Stork. See, Robert Stork was appointed, like I said, nominated uh, by Barack Hussein Obama. But he was never actually appointed because McCain dragged his feet. So even though there was no final confirmation because the Senate failed to vote before, you know, Obama left office, Trump re-umped the nomination in June. 
with the final confirmation and presidential signature on December 22nd, 2017, which was the day after he um, wrote that um, executive order confiscating anyone who's in corruption. Remember that um, or, that order? He did the executive order the day before. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. After he was confirmed, after he was confirmed, Adam, uh, the the uh, the um, Admiral Rogers, who was the one that told us that they were doing over collection, right? Spying—that's the fancy word for spying. That's right. Uh, said, "I look forward to welcoming Mr. Stork." Now, here's a little background on Mr. Stork, just for all of you to know. Before he became the first presidentially appointed NSA IG, he was the uh, Department of Justice's senior counsel, so Horowitz's senior counsel. He was acting deputy director of the DOJ before that uh, appointment, um, before he was deputy IG, right? He served as a chairman on the Council of Inspector Generals and Integrity and Efficiency. This is where all the IGs get together and discuss if they, they have integrity, yeah. if they're impartial and all that stuff, right? And then before that, just so everybody knows, he worked as as a chief counsel to the U.S. attorney, he worked in the District of New York in the courts, and he was also lead counsel, guess where, in the Ukraine. Oh, so wow. this is a guy, yeah, this we is get, a guy that, is one, that, that has been with them all along. Well, we got to take it to a break. We'll be back in just a moment. And we're back. My name is Scott Adams, and uh, we're with Tori Lindemann. Tori, we may have gotten cut off on some of the local stations on the last part of what you said. Uh, so let's go ahead and just recap what we were talking about with regard to Robert Stork and Daniel Jones. Okay. Well, first, let's go. Let's just go to Robert Stork because I don't think anyone's talking about him. So, prior to being presidentially nominated by Obama, he was nominated by Obama, right? But the McCain Senate did not confirm him before Barack Hussein Obama left, and President Trump re-upped his nomination, and he was confirmed by the Senate in 2017. Okay. Now, Robert Stork is uh, used to be used to be the um, senior counsel for Horowitz. He used to be the acting deputy IG before he was appointed deputy IG in 2015 of the DOJ. And he served as chairman of the Council of Inspector Generals and Integrity Whistleblower Obnisman Working Group, okay, which is seen as like the leader of, you know, not going after whistleblowers, right? You remember that debacle with Clapper and Brennan about going after whistleblowers, you remember that? Yes. Chit-chat two years ago? Okay. we got to keep that and let it percolate for a little bit, right? So now he is a guy who also worked uh, as Deputy Criminal Chief and Counsel to the U.S. Attorney in the Northern District of New York. He was also Resident uh, Department of Justice Legal Advisor in the Ukraine. Okay. So he is the guy that inspects the NSA. He is the guy that audits how the NSA operates, right? So think about it. This is a vehicle for cross-sharing of department-to-department info in regards to to the inspector generals, right? From the Council of the Inspector Generals. So we've got Huber Horowitz Stork, who was a U.S. attorney, DOJ, FBI inspector general. He was the investigator. He was in signal intelligence and information assurance and products. So we have to think. The NSA has been pushed since forever and ever. And no one seems to make that connection. They feel safe but it, because it's their guy. And everything that in my body tells me that's the Democrat guy. 
But here's the thing. Admiral Rogers, who told us about the overcollection and the spying, was really happy after he was confirmed and he came out and said that. So that makes me a little bit more reassured because, you know, if Admiral Rogers, who blew the whistle on all of this spying, this overcollection, that's the fancy way of saying it, that means that we've got some trump cards and i think that's where it lies uh in regards to the intelligence community that they think they're safe from all this spying i mean think about it how how um you know how uh, how would you say brass they are in regards to being able to just spy and think they're gonna get away with it and now they're trying to say it's fourth hand hearsay testimony that the whistleblower is giving they're just trying to divert attention make it look like yep it was a nothing burger so no one sees that he was spying but the cat's out of the bag because he's been spying that's basically what it was i know for a fact that um adam schiff and daniel jones met together and Diane Feinstein fostered this meeting. They had dinner together at the end of July. They first met in April when they found out that Giuliani and Durham were investigating the Ukraine. And that came up because Marie Ivanovich was fired shortly after they found out. So they had to have a backup plan because all their dirty laundry lies in the Ukraine. And, and I tell my listeners all about it, and we talk about it all the time. The Ukraine is corrupt because there were smarter people that came in and said, yeah, 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 you have all this natural gas. You could be rich. Let's help you get away from Russia. We'll help you. And they pounced on them like nobody's business. That nation owes the EU their natural reserves times 20. They don't own anything. That's how much debt they're in. And this is why they're so corrupt. And why do you and think, though, the head, the head Democrats of both intelligence commit, uh, committees, whether it be Mark Warner over in the Senate Intel Committee or Adam Schiff in the House, why is it that they have such vested interest and internal interest? I mean, you got Schiff talking with those Russian clowns that were the radio show hosts, or Adam Schiff meeting with Glenn Simpson out in Aspen, Colorado, and then you got Mark Warner trying to get a meeting with Christopher Steele, and uh, you know, doing all these underhanded tactics, meeting, having these secret meetings. You know, and then you got McCain and Klobuchar and Lindsey Graham hobnobbing all around the world while President Trump just won an election as President-elect Trump, meeting with Parachenko and the head of Latvia. And it's like, what is going on here, man? There's a lot of tea leaves that indicate massive corruption. Well, yeah, but, you know, what people need to understand is don't be discouraged that nothing's being done because we don't see them getting locked up. Behind the scenes, there is so much going on. We've got ma- powerful CEOs that have recently resigned, member of Congress and Senate resigning like nobody's business, right? Last last election cycle, how many were there? Like over 80 of them didn't run for re-election or resign. It's not a coincidence because re- think of Paul Ryan. You remember before President Trump was elected, did you hear Paul Ryan saying that he wanted to leave politics? No. But once President Trump was elected, what did Paul Ryan do? He left. So this is what we need to pay attention to. And imagine, I mean, if you want to see the correlation, look how many human trafficking cases, arrests are surging. And also, look that we have over 10,000 sealed indictments, USA versus sealed across the nation that's a big deal i mean just in my state which is the dinky state north dakota maximum you'll see is like two sealed indictments right we've got over 650 
And that's because you don't prosecute someone like Comey in D.C. or Virginia. You go somewhere like Utah or Kansas or South Dakota where he doesn't have connections, where you can keep the magistrate under, you know, um, unlocking key. This is all about to go down, and they know it, and this is desperation. Imagine how desperate they were that they created this fake whistleblower. Imagine how desperate, because all the only weapon they have is what? A big megaphone, which is called the mainstream media. We can't even trust anything we see on TV anymore at all. I mean, what do you think? I agree with you 100%, and I think we're actually running out of time this hour, but we want to let everybody know who we're speaking with. That's Tori Lindemann. You can find out more about Tori at torysays.com. How else can we reach you, Tori? Well, uh, I, on torysays.com, you can find uh, my radio show, too, <laughs> yeah. um, where I'm live 12 to 2 Eastern Time. And, yeah, and I write for a lot of publications, including loomer.com. And um, sometimes I'll put them on my Tory Says site, too. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you, Tori. And we'll be having you on the show again real soon. And we'll talk to you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now.